Welcome to Catholic Family Matters with your hosts, Paul Kaczynski and Betsy Lashley. A podcast where we share a little bit about our lives of faith in an effort to encourage families to live courageously Catholic lives, to love Jesus more, and to learn to see the divine in the everyday events of our family life. So come along with us to find encouragement, hope, and maybe a little laughter along the way. Because family matters. Welcome to Catholic Family Matters, episode 46. Our topic today is emotions and how they play a role in our faith. Does your experience in Mass or of your faith in general bring you a great feeling of joy? If not, you are not alone. In this episode of Catholic Family Matters, we will discuss the role of emotions in our faith life. Are they good? Are they bad? Or are they somewhere in between? How about you spare me the chit chat? I'm going to take your uh, chit chat in the chitty chitty chat chat in chat 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 in the chit chat. Well, hello there, Betsy. Why, hello, Paul. So nice to be back. It has been forever. Yeah, we haven't seen each other since we parted ways from working. Yeah, that time when you did the whole podcast like all by yourself and just gave me like a bit part of 10 seconds. I remember it. I remember it very well. Oh, it was so liberating. Was yeah, it? You felt the freedom all by to, myself. just to do Okay. I actually thought it was a really great podcast too. Loved every minute to it. Oh, it. I listened to it on the streets of some country that I was I in. I thought you said you were on the train. Was I on the, the train? France. Okay. Look, I can't I remember anything. But yeah, it was probably a train. Anyway, I loved it. I thought it was great. I was so glad that we were able to give the work camp students a voice. Um, we got to hear from Rodney. Mm -hmm. We got to hear from Lori and some of the adult leads. And yep. again, work camp was an, another amazing experience. Yes, it was. So. Yes, it was. Anyway, glad to be back, though, yeah. at our regular table, doing our regular thing, talking about faith. Yep, yep, yep. So tell me something that's happened to you in the last forever since I've seen you. Well, uh, it's kind of work camp related. So Rodney was giving me a hard time. So I went to his site the Monday morning of work camp, the very first day. And he was giving me a hard time about, uh, he said I was hi-hatting him, which I've never heard that expression before. Um, at, um, where do we normally go? Uh, Jason's Deli is usually where I meet my Curcio group. And oh. so he said he saw me there, but... I didn't go over and say hi to him. Oh, my bad. Yeah. So fast you forward. Yeah, I did. Uh, yeah. Uh, fast forward to this week, and we we had met our Corsia group. Actually, had met since probably work camp. Um, and oh, so, please tell me this story ends with you holding up a big sign that said, "Hey, Rodney." <laughs> almost. <laughs> you should have been ready. Yeah, I know. Sure. I know, right? So, um, so fast forward to this week on Wednesday, um, I met with my, uh, Curcio group. We, we actually were able to all get together and, and as I'm, as I'm, I ordered my food, I'm going to sit down with the guys and who's standing right in front of me, but Mr. Rodney. <laughs> and so, you said hello. I, I, did, okay, I did actually <laughs> say hello to him. Yeah. Uh, it was weird cause it was like, um, going to Walmart cause I actually ran into like another friend and yeah, so it was, it was, uh, you meet a lot of your friends at Walmart. I, don't you? No. I thought that was like a thing. You go to Walmart and all of a sudden like all your friends are coming out of the woodworks. No. No? No, that doesn't happen to me. Well. Interesting though. Thank you for sharing that. Anyway, I'm glad that you saw Rodney out in public and you acknowledged him publicly because he's amazing. He's awesome. Yeah. 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 
Okay, so, well, yeah. I mean, there is no little amount of chit-chat that I could bring to you today, but... I know we could spend the whole episode on... <laughs> I had to narrow it down. I don't know how much I talked about this before, but we just finished a 12-day tour of Europe, kind of. We went to um, four different cities. We spent every minute of it with my um, 25-year-old son, Gregory, which was really a great, great time. We made lots of memories. We laughed a lot. We learned a lot because traveling in Europe is not like traveling in America. Hmm. So when you, you can't go, just pass between the, the states, they're states, right? They're like, no, you can. United that was states. easy. That was not bad. Oh, um, but the thing is, when you go to a train station and you need to know like where the ticket agent is or where the what the signs say, you, you don't know the language. Uh, and we didn't know the language in three different countries. So we there was a big some big hurdles to get over, but. I wanted to share with you that we had the opportunity, because we were there for 12 days, we had the opportunity to go to Mass twice. And we had two very different Mass experiences that I want to share with you. Okay. And it also was not that easy to to go to Mass in a foreign country. Um, we used masstimes.org, which was helpful, but right. it wasn't always 100% accurate. Yeah. So the first time we were in Kaiserslautern, Germany, which is where my son lives, he works on a base there. And uh, he, we said, let's go to, to church on base. And our motivation for that was really that we wanted Gregory to go to church on base so that he would know where to go every other Sunday of his life. Um, Always a parent. But right? because there was three of us and I did not bring my military ID, we had to get visitor passes. So we had to jump through a couple hoops to make this mass happen. And we had to get up early and go before we got on our train to go to Paris. So there was a there was a sacrifice involved in that particular thing. Anyway, we had a lovely mass at the on on base chapel at um, Ramstein Air Force Base. And if you've ever been to a mass on on a Air Force base like that or an army base or whatever, they're a little bit different. And at the end of mass, the priest asked if anybody was leaving. And he brought somebody up. He brought two people up that were leaving. And one of them was like a general from the area. And he said, clearly the general must have been pretty, pretty active in that particular parish. And he said, general, would you like to say anything? And, and the guy stood up and he said the nicest thing about how that base there and that chapel was such a good community for them while they were there. And they were going to miss it a lot. I, it brought a tear to my eye huh. because I thought it was just a really cool Army people move about every three years. Right. And right. their lives are so transient that it's it's difficult to lay down roots. And it reminded me greatly that your church is your home, mm -hmm. wherever you are, in whatever part of the world, um, tucked away in a little corner of Germany even, it was their home. Nice. And the second place that I got to go to Mass, Paul, was in Prague, Czechia. Because I don't know if you know this, but the Czech Republic is no longer the Czech Republic. It's no longer Czechoslovakia. It's now called Czechia. Czechia. Yeah. I did not know that. And the Czech people really like you to know that and to be aware of that. So it is now called Czechia. Anyway, and we got to go to church at the, ooh, I was going to look this up. It's the Church of St. Mary the Victorious and the Infant of Prague. Hmm. So I don't know if anybody out there has ever heard of the Infant of Prague, but it's a pretty famous little guy and anyway we got to go to that church where the infant of Prague is housed so and and we got not only did we get to visit it but we also went to mass there and it took again a great deal of planning to get to this mass we had to do it we had a tour on Sunday morning so we had to go Sunday evening and I said I'd really like to go to that mass 
I mean, to that church. Right. We, my mother loved the infant of Prague. She had one in our house as we were when we were um, growing up, and I just thought that was really cool. So when we had to walk across the river, it was it was a fair distance for us. And in Prague, there are churches about every four hundred feet. Right. Um, so we went down to this to this mass, and we had to go to the six o'clock mass, but it was in Italian. And um, I'm going to talk a little bit more about this later as we talk about our topic. But one of the coolest thing was this little Italian priest came out, and he he says uh, he kind of asked anybody if they were Italian, Italian, where are you from, where are you from, you know, English, English, we're English. Anyways, he's like, it basically it occurred to us what he was doing was he was asking for help for the mass. He needed lectors. And I looked over at my son. I'm like, I could have lectured here. Aww. But I don't know the language. I'm like, oh, this is my one shot to lecture, and I missed it. So, but two wonderful Italian-speaking people got up and lectured, and they did a pretty fair job, I thought. But it, it was it was really cool, and we we had our readings open so that we could kind of follow along, right, and we right. did not understand a word of the <laughs> homily. Uh, but we were very grateful to have that experience in such a beautiful and massive church as. Uh, this this one that we attended. So that was a yeah. very cool thing. So that's what I wanted to tell you about for my chit chat was my two mass experiences in Europe. Yeah. That's awesome. Cause uh, not, not only is um, the church your home, but it, the, also the universality of it, you know, the, even though you didn't speak the language, you could follow along and know where they were in the mass so that you could. It was very it cool. In, in, in I, my language. son and I, we have the same sort of competitive bone. So we were, we were kind of talking about the different words that he used mm. and we would recognize certain words and they did the Agnus Dei in Latin. Oh, okay. And he, when we got back out, we we're talking about, you know, was that Latin or was that Italian? And I'm yeah. like, no, I'm pretty sure it was Latin because yeah, that's yeah. the way we say it like in church at yeah. when you ever do, whenever you say it in Latin. Yeah. And, Italian, it's one of the, I mean, it's one of the Latin based languages. Yeah, so, yeah it, exactly. Yeah. So, so there were a lot close, of similarities. So, yeah. um, and I felt that way with France and yeah. with yep, that yep. Italian experience that we mm-hmm. had. But Czechoslovakian oh, don't yeah. understand yeah. a word of it. Yeah. <laughs> and German also, although our German tour guide told us that German, the German language is phonetically sounded out. And I was like, dude, I don't it's, know what you're talking yeah. about. Because the words are like 17 letters long. Right, right. All of them. But yeah. anyway, we it was, a, it was a great time, but we really didn't know the language very well. And I did not come back any smarter on the language, except for... If I may give you just a little bit of 14-year-old boy okay. humor before we start. <laughs> the word for exit on the highway, and I should say Autobahn because that's what it is in Germany, but that's just the word for highway. <laughs> the word for exit is Ausfahrt. <laughs> yes! We had the best time. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> They even had shirts on the oh. army base that made fun of that particular <laughs> phraseology. <laughs> we had the best time with it. That's awesome. Yeah, I know, because I have the soul of a 14-year-old boy. <laughs> In the name of the Father, and the Son, Son and, and the Holy, Holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen. Amen. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful and kindle in us the fire of your love. Send forth your spirit, and we shall be created, and you shall renew the face of the earth. O God, who by the light of the Holy Spirit instructs the hearts of the faithful, grant that by that same Holy Spirit we may be truly wise and ever rejoice in his consolations. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. In the the Father, Father, Son, Son, and the Holy Holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen. Have you found Jesus yet? No. 
I didn't know I was supposed to be looking for him, so. So, Paul, before we get into the subject, what I wanted to ask you was, what was your reaction to the COVID shutdown and your inability to go to Mass on a regular basis? Do you recall? Do you remember thinking that was terrible? Do you remember thinking, wow, this is a great opportunity for me to do nothing on Sunday morning? Like, what was your, what was your response to that? No, it, it kind of felt like there was a hole. like we were missing something. Um, I think I mentioned this before, but fortunately for us, you know, like they would televise or televise, they'd put it on like Facebook or uh, YouTube or whatever, um, the mass from like Saturday evening. And then, you know, you could watch it whenever um, on Sunday. And then after they would still have mass um, at the regular times, but, you know, you had to sign up, so only a limited amount of people were able to go. But, but you also went through a period of the, of no mass, right? No, no. Mercy never stopped they, doing masses? They did a sign-up genius right away. And um, I think, is that right? No, no that couldn't be right. Because we the whole diocese allowed. shut down. Yeah, we it? weren't allowed to go out. Yeah. But it was it was a relatively short period of time. I, yeah. I can't quite remember the time frame. It was so short, I don't remember it. Um, but it was long enough that it was significant, I thought. So several, I mean, because we watched Mass on TV more than five weeks, more than six weeks. We, and we did too, but we were kind of anxious about going back out um, right away. Yeah. Um, oh, we weren't. We were not, definitely. Yeah. But we also did this weird, like, drive-up communion thing one yeah. time. Yeah. And then the then the diocese gave us permission for people to come in and receive Eucharist. So father did mass and then came out to the parking lot and gave communion. And I did not like that at all. But yeah, yeah. my, my thought process with this question was like, what were your emotions? Cause I was a little bit angry. I, I was a little bit angry that, that we were going to this degree of, of quarantine. I thought right. I, I just didn't, I didn't, I just did not sit well with me. So I had a little bit of anger going on with that. Yeah. I was also sad that I had just started the habit of daily mass and now I was going to, that was going to be truncated and I was worried, will that come back? Will I want to go back to that? So there was a little bit of sadness there too. Yeah. So, so I guess I was kind of disappointed that, um, you know, that it was, it was gone. Yeah. Um, you know, like I said, I felt that hole there. So, yeah. Um, well, what, (laughs) The reason that I asked this question this way was because one of the articles that we saw really dove into this topic of how, what um, what role the emo- your emotions play in your faith life. Right. And we discussed several emotions there, anger, frustration, sadness. Um, and I think that if those emotions had taken the priority with us, we maybe wouldn't have ever come back to church. Right, right. And... So our our promo today was that are these emotions a good thing? Are they a bad thing? Or are they somewhere in between? I think that we need to really understand what emotions are and the role that they play in our faith because they they aren't everything. Right. Sometimes you have to persevere through those feelings because the feelings will go away. Right. Uh, often. So, and I do not feel anger anymore. I'm very glad that yeah. I'm able to go back to church and n- nothing has changed. I still go to daily mass. Um, 
And the way I look at it is we kind of persevered through that hard time. Right. Right. Um, and there's, there's almost like a sense of peace that we're one getting back to normal, but also, you know, as far as, as going back to mass, it's the, that we're able to, you know, it's, it, it's not like it went away forever. I mean, cause you know, you, you hear about these countries that they may not have mass for several months because they don't have a priest that, you know, there, there's yeah. like one priest that'll come into their village mm-hmm. maybe once every six months or eight months or 10 months. Um, so, you know, there was, there's a fear of getting to that point, you know, as far as like, you know, it, it may be gone for quite a while, but now there's this piece that, you know, we were, we're able to get back to, to the way we were with mass. And, and not, not only that, there's, um, I guess there's also kind of a bit of anxiety too, cause you know, like this weekend we're going to, we're going up to Chattanooga for a, a tournament, a lacrosse tournament for my daughter and, you know, it'll be over the weekend. So we're going to look for a place to go to mass, but there's always that you know, how are they, how is this area handling things with COVID and will we be able to, will we have to wear a mask? Will we have to, um, will we be able to receive communion? You know, things like that, that, you know, there, you can go to some parishes in the country and they are still kind of locked down. Um, so there's, there's a bit of anxiety there as well. Is there really? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. I think um, the majority of places have opened, opened back up, but yeah, in Germany, we experienced um, masks still on trains. Mm-hmm. And when we, one of our tour guides in Munich, he said that they are, he's, he was greeting some of his friends that he hadn't seen in two years. Mm. So it was like they were just coming out from under wow. that, that when, when I feel like we've been out from under it for a long time. Yeah, yeah. So the, the flip side of this then is, you know, we're talking about kind of these negative emotions. But what about positive emotions? I, you know, have you ever gone to mass and just not really had a lot of emotional response to a mass? You've never had like the great sense of joy or, you know, elation or a powerful feeling of peace. I mean, maybe you go to mass and you don't have any of those things. Right. And there's other people around you that, I mean, in one of the articles mentioned that, People, when we got to go back to mass, like people were just elated and they were crying and because they were so glad to be back. And the flip side of that is what happens if you don't have those feelings of joy or um, exuberance or whatever uh, as a result of your experience at mass? Does that mean you're doing something wrong? Not necessarily. All right. So, um, so one of the things I believe the article mentioned was that there's, there's also a, an emotional, um, I forget the word they use, um, maturity. I don't know if that's the right word that they use, but, um, you know, it, it's, it's funny that our, our emotions that, you know, they're, they're a normal part of who we are as a human being. Um, our emotions drive us to do things or to not do things. Um, but they can also, um, but they're not the only thing that sustains who we are as a person. Um, so if you don't necessarily feel that joy, you know, that could be that, you know, it's, it's part of you getting back to that normal routine where some, somebody else feels a, a great joy or a great exuberance by getting back to a normal routine. Yeah. And sometimes I wonder if it's not, this is not the way some people communicate. I mean, I I tend to communicate differently than other people 
And so I may not even share that sort of feeling, even if I had it. Um, so I think there's a little bit of that right, going on as right, well. Right. And Saint, in this article, St. Thomas Aquinas calls it intellectual virtue, um, more less of the emotional response and more of that intellectual idea of right. what you're doing is right. And it doesn't always have to feel good. And we are we live in a society where everything should feel good. Right. Well, if I go to mass and I don't get anything out of it, right. then why would I go? Right. And, and there's a danger in that. Um, you, you mentioned not going. Um, and I, this isn't to put down Protestants, but I've had I've had some fellow Protestants, you know, talk about how like they'll look for a specific pastor. Um, like there's there's mega churches in the area, even down in Birmingham, that they'll go to just so that they can get that that emotional high off of. Um, and but that's that can be that can be dangerous because if you go one time and you don't feel that emotional high, does that mean you're not moved by the spirit? You're not you're not you're no longer Christian? I mean, I my first response would be no. It's just part of yeah. being a human being. So one of the uh articles or the, in this article, I'll, I'll tell you which one it is in a second here, but the um he, the author says that these personal experiences and Feelings can indeed kindle faith, but they cannot be the sole pillars of our spiritual lives because emotions are not the essence of faith. Rather, faith rests upon a loving God who is not the product of our subjective longings, but a real independent being who calls us into union with him through the revelation of his son. And I want to highlight that because emotions are not the essence of faith. And you and I as youth ministers have taken our students to a lot of experiences where feelings can really play a role mm-hmm. in how they respond to their faith. Right. Sometimes retreats are a mountaintop experience, yep. praise and worship sessions where yep. the music is loud and adoration is, you know, a unique experience. Students experience a lot of emotions and we used to have to pull them back in and say, look, that emotion is good and it plays a role in your faith, but that is not the most important thing right like your your goal is to really get that intellectual understanding that god is present in the eucharist and and these are such important points for us today and and we're often like you said that dichotomy between an approach to a faith that is real and tangible and you get something out of it that consumer idea like I want right. to, what, what is this church? Right. What is this mass right. experience going to give yeah, me right. <laughs> instead of what it actually is in our Catholic faith? It is where we go to worship the right. God who gives us everything. And I think we forget that. I, I right. Well, I mean, don't know that all of us know why we go to mass. Well, right. And you'll hear, you'll hear a lot of people now say, yeah, I don't, I don't go to mass for the homily. I go to mass for the Eucharist. Yeah. And that's, that's that emotional maturity. Like I, you know, I, I'd, I'd love to hear a great message from the pulpit. Yeah. Um, but if it's, you know, if, if, if your priest is putting you to sleep, that's not the most important part of it. Yeah. I, I also think that, that with that, like you said, that maturity, mm-hmm. I have often gone to mass and walked away and went, wow, that, that just did not go well that wasn't the greatest mass I've ever experienced. And I think people can 
get let that get to them and they can say well i I think i'm done with this like this just i'm just not getting out of anything out of this i'm just gonna stop going and i have to say that i think persevering is a is a level of maturity that people don't really quite understand that there's a there's a benefit of that perseverance and that continuity because i have then had multiple experiences in mass where I, I get something out of it that I never expected. And I walk away going, wow, I'm so glad I did not miss that opportunity. Right, right. I am so glad I did not miss the opportunity to go to that Italian mass in Prague because this was the thought that came to me during that experience. The I told you it was a little Italian priest, and I really mean it. He was little. He was like miniature <laughs> size. He was very small. But as we were sitting in mass, we were probably like in the sixth row back, maybe okay. pretty close. And these churches in Europe, I, I mean, I'm sure you guys can all conjure something in your head for what a church in Europe look, looks like. There was a lot of Romanesque buildings. Mm-hmm. There was Gothic. Mm-hmm. There was Baroque. There was Rococo churches, which are border on the little bit of a gaudy side. But as as he stood there saying mass... It occurred to me that he was so small and our God was so big. And this mass was not about this man, this little Italian priest. In fact, he seemed so small and insignificant in that giant surroundings. And it just, it hearkened Mm. to me that idea of why we build cathedrals because they call your mind to God. And at that moment, that mass was less about the man who was there in persona Christi than it was about the huge God of our universe that it creates everything and gives us all the good things that we know. Hmm. And I, I, we walked out of mass and I told my, the family members that I was with, I was like, this is, this is amazing. Like this was so cool for, to help me remember that this is what it's about. And our, our priests are the people that we lean on, but they are not God. Right. Right. And, uh, that was an amazing, really a very cool thing to, to come out of our looking at all of these churches in the Prague area, because we did see quite a few. (laughs) We are not God, but God is. You are God. I am not. Exactly. So uh, another question I have for you, Paul. Okay, shoot, Betsy. Yeah, I don't know if you want to hear this or not. Uh, But do you think that an emotional response to prayer, mass, or the sacraments makes you a more devout Catholic? No. Next question. (laughs) You can't just say next question. You have to expound on that. But I think sometimes we fall into this trap. Mm -hmm. I I think that if, you know, you're not having that deeply emotional response or crying to God in prayer that somehow you're not doing it right. Uh, No. And, and, and I, and I think about, um, some of our saints in the past, um, uh, St. Teresa of Calcutta, um, who always, I forget where her quote is, but where she had this feeling of abandonment. Mm-hmm. Um, her dark night of the soul. Yeah. Well, well, and St. John of the cross who wrote the dark night of the soul. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. So I think, I think about some of those saints and, and, um, you know, you know, we talked about, um, the seven daily sins and, and one of the ones that I kind of focused on was sloth, um, especially spiritual sloth. But I think there's also a point where, um, you know, if you don't feel, you don't like, you don't have to feel, um, that, uh, like, you know, like we talked about mass or like at a, at a, uh, retreat, um, you know, going up on the mountain, you know, we, we don't have to have that mountain experience every time. 
even every time we pray. Um, because, you know, God, God's not going to abandon us. He, you know, his love is always there for us. You know, it's, it's, as, it's up to us to accept it, but it's, it, um, you know, there could be, there could be times in our prayer life where God is trying to draw us out of sin. And so we feel that abandonment, but it's just him helping us to get past some sort of sin or something like that. You know, there, you know, there, you know, it's not, I don't know where I'm going with this, but. Well, I think too, I think the really good point that you're making is that your faith is a journey. It's not a destination. Yes. And we, we so often think that there's got to be some us reaching something or, I mean, and you and I talked about that a lot over Lent, right? Like Exodus 90 was a great devotion that you participated in. But it was. But it will not be the end right, of your right. spiritual journey right. because you will fail again. Mm-hmm. And how do you continue on? And and that's why that idea of relationship, that idea of prayer, and that idea of that emotion. Sometimes you have to have the consistency or just the ritual part of your faith, so that your, so that you continue through the dry spells. Right. Right. And I think that's what I think that's what Exodus 90 does too, a 90-day habit that helped you to see. And for me, it was the Bible in a year. When I did 365 days of reading the Bible, I could not imagine day 366 without reading the Bible. Hmm. And I've read the Bible every day since. Yeah. Yeah. As a result of that um that thing, that that habit that I formed. So, I I think that 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 idea of journey is such something that we need to really help people relate to more strongly right, because right. it's, it's everything. Right. Yeah. And that's why, and, and I think that's why one of the reasons we started this podcast too, and, and even the, our first few episodes were, you know, having that relationship with God, um, is important to build that foundation of knowing, um, knowing that he's always going to be there for you, no matter what, even in those dry spells. So, yeah. Which, by the way, if you listen to episode 45, it was just a repeat of your having a personal relationship with Jesus. So, so if you want to listen, you know, if you want a few um, pointers on that, then have a listen to that episode. Mm. But anyway. So if we had to summarize this topic in, in a way that that listeners could understand, I think that this idea of emotions and how we how we approach mass, how we approach our faith, that emotions are very good and they can play a very important role in our faith life. They should play a very important role. Yeah, but they are not the sum total of your faith. And there will be times in your life where the emotions are are not the, the most important thing. Like Thomas Aquinas tells us, we have to have an emotional, an intellectual Virtue. Is that what I said? Virtue, yeah. yeah. We have to have an intellectual virtue um, that is a more mature level of faith uh, because we know that that is this is a lifelong process for us to get through that yeah. will encompass highs and lows and ups and downs. So failures, have those successes. emotions, yep. but make sure that they are not the most important thing that rules your faith life. I think that's the message of today. And now deep thoughts because i'm good enough i'm smart enough and doggone it people like me
So in today's reflection, it's uh, based off of the Gospel of Matthew, which was in yesterday's Mass readings, uh, Matthew chapter 10. I'm not going to read the whole Gospel passage, but um, and I stole this from Exodus 90, this uh, whole reflection here. I did tweak a little bit, but it's 99% Exodus 90. So it says, Because of the journey of faith, is never complete and rarely even smooth sailing. It can be easy to forget an amazing grace that we have been given, the grace of accepting the gospel. Receiving Christ's message is not a foregone conclusion, as today's gospel reading reminds us. But thanks be to God, when we survey the situations described in today's verses, we can be grateful to imagine ourselves as the house or the people in the house that has received and listened to the words spoken by the apostles who proclaimed the good news of Jesus Christ. We are the worthy persons, Matthew 10, verse 11, the apostles are hoping to meet, hoping to be received by, and hoping to convince of the saving truth of Christ. Praise the Lord for this gift. Again, it is not a foregone conclusion or a necessary outcome. Today's gospel reading puts before us the alternative scenario. Whoever will not receive you or listen to your words, go outside that house or town and shake the dust from your feet. Amen, I say to you, it will be more tolerable for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah on the day of judgment than for that town. We are not compelled to receive or listen to the words of Christ or his followers. We can freely reject them. But then we also must accept the consequences, which will be less tolerable than what Sodom and Gomorrah experienced. The Old Testament to Sodom and Gomorrah calls to mind the fiery destruction rained down upon these twin cities on account of the sinfulness there. It might seem a harsh comparison, but it underscores the reality of sin and the eternal stakes that are on the table. Where Sodom and Gomorrah's destruction was a momentary demonstration of the sufferings due to sin, hell is perpetual destruction. The message that Jesus offers us is a message of salvation from sin. If we refuse that message or fail to live in accord with it, we turn our backs on his offer of salvation and are left to our own devices. We remain in sin and thus separated from the source of our being and our life. We suffer the destruction of who we are created to be, who we are called to be. This is what hell is, the suffering of having excluded ourselves from what we were created to be, the partakers in God's eternal life and joy. The saints have long counseled that some reflection on the final judgment and the terrible reality of hell is beneficial in our spiritual lives. I recommend at some point today tomorrow or during the week, read this passage and meditate on the sufferings of hell, not as a prompt to despair, but as a cause for gratitude and trust. Give thanks that the Lord has drawn you toward the path of discipleship, a path that always approaches the cross. Trust in him more than in yourself so that he will continue to lead you down this path, no matter the personal cost it might ask of you. Pray for the grace to receive the gospel more fully and for the grace of final perseverance in death. Amen. Amen. As a follow-up to our, we did a podcast a couple of months ago about the nuns. Yes. N-O-N-E-S. And a little follow-up to that. And when we were in Czechia, we had a tour guide, and she was probably a 25, 35-year-old woman. And she shared with us that, 
all the church, I said, there's churches everywhere. Like, are we going to go into all of them? And she said, the churches here are, are the, now they're almost historical buildings because no one's going to mass. Wow. And I kind of shared with her that it's very similar in the United States, that there's young people who are declaring themselves unaffiliated. And she said, oh, it's nothing like here. She's like, here, it's much more rampant. And I thought, wow, I thought it was pretty bad in the United States. And she was sure that in, in Czechia that it was worse. So that's, that's a little follow-up to that. And I really like what you, what you read, that meditation, because I think that young people today maybe don't know the danger of hell. And we don't talk about it a lot. Right, right. And there is a purpose to being faithful to God. And there is a purpose of, to keeping God in your life. And, and you need to understand why. So that was a very good reflection. Thank you. Okay. So I had to bring you a little bit of music today and I was inspired as I was driving today. I heard this little song on the Sirius XM Garth channel because Garth Brooks is, you know, the master. Don't hang your head like that. It's not pretty. A lot of our listeners like country music. Do you know, do you, did you know that I actually have friends in those places? Yes. Yes, I did know that. <laughs> <laughs> that is not a surprise to me. So this is a little song by Lee Bryce called Love Like Crazy. And the reason that this one struck me today was because of this this line in it just ask him how he made it he'll tell you faith and sweat and the heart of a faithful woman who never let him forget be a best friend tell the truth and overuse i love you go to work do your best don't outsmart your common sense never let your praying knees get lazy and love like crazy And I thought this is a country song. It was obviously written about how, I think at the beginning starts about how a married couple stayed married for so many years. And the guy says, sit that right down and I'll tell you. And he hmm. says, you got to love like crazy. And isn't that kind of our message as well? Amen. How hard can we love and how much can we love? And I think that's important. So check it out. Lee Bryce, love like crazy. So as we close today, we will say this prayer in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen. Lord, we thank you for the gift of our faith. We thank you for the opportunity to be here together, to talk about our faith with each other, and to help plant the seeds of faith in the hearts of those who listen. We ask you, Lord, to help us to remember today how big the world is that you made how many people are in it, and how small we are in comparison to all of those things. But help us to remember that no matter how small we are, that you love each and every one of us as if there were only one of us. Help us to love, Lord. Help us to love better. And we ask all this in your holy name. 
Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, that'll wrap it up for today. Thanks for listening to this episode of Catholic Family Matters. Remember to subscribe and leave us a review on your favorite podcast listener, iTunes, Google, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you listen. Join us on Twitter and like us on Facebook at CatFamMatters, which is at C-A-T-H-F-A-M-M-A-T-T-E-R-S. Check out our website at www.catholicfamilymatters.com. And you can always send us an email at feedback at catholicfamilymatters.com. We are your hosts, Paul Kosinski. And Betsy Lashley. Or just another sexy bald guy. And a girl without a filter. Till next time. time. See you, Paul. See ya.